0: In order to effectively do that and effectively set up your team for success, um, you have to have advanced capacity modeling to know what your team can handle now and in the future. You have to start at the personal, like individual level, and then you can always aggregate up. We have to be able to model that out so you truly understand the capability of your workforce. Overcapacity impacts, again, burnout. It starts to get complex, and that's where a tool, like, you know, leveraging capacity planning, I think really can bring uh, even more value, um, you can model all of this out, any of these scenarios and understand the trade-offs. Really, all that AI does, it's enabling you to get to that answer faster and smarter.
1: Welcome to another episode of Hiring All Cylinders. Today, I'm joined by Alex Marshall from Taltrix. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm awesome. Um, I love that Cashew's in the background as guest guest <laughs> on the podcast. Hey, hi, Cashew. <laughs> <Kat here. laughs> Hey, One of the huge things on every TA leader's leaders mind at the moment is capacity planning. Everyone I speak to is thinking about how to build a sustainable talent organization for the future. Um, We've obviously had this boom and bust cycle with COVID. Um, TA teams were the first to be impacted and the most severely impacted. Then we had this rush for talent in 2021, 2022. Where at you know one point LinkedIn published an article saying there were more job openings for recruiters than engineers, um, which is hard to imagine sitting here today when you know, TA teams have been really severely um, impacted and frankly demolished um, by a lot of organizations. Um, so I guess you're an expert in advanced you know capacity planning um, on the TA side, but also for other other parts of the organization. Um, and I guess I wanted to hear from your point of view, you know, what you think of this problem at the moment. What what's causing the problem and a way that we can think about solving the problem, Alex? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, yes. And appreciate setting up the stage for this um and having me on. So yeah, uh, talking a bit to I mean, what might be causing the problem. Of course, there's all there's many different external factors that are incorporated in here. I mean, just in general, you know, the business cycles, the boom and bust, et cetera. Um but you know the results of that, the impacts of that, um, of course, uh, you know, it's the town acquisition teams, like you said, et cetera. And if you know, as part of this, with town like advanced capacity planning, if we're able to you know better make sure that we're set up for success given any sort of scenario in the future and our, our team you know structured, allocated in such a way that we make sure that we're able to ramp back up during booms and be able to handle any sort of downturn without, Um, you know, impacting as much headcount-wise for your workforce um, when it comes to the bus, when it comes to, I mean, the booms that you have the right amount of recruiters, sources, et cetera, allocated to the right areas at the right time um, so that you're able to bounce back. Um, And being able to, you know, whether it's how you structure your teams with capacity planning that enables this um, and uh, whether this is really, you know, could be, where you're structurally like being able to simulate to figure out if say that you might want to go to a model. That's more like you have a baseline FTE uh, headcount that's allocated in certain areas of the business, supporting, you know, different areas of business and then augmenting that potentially with like an external, um, you know, outsourcing, outsour- uh, uh, ex- external like staffing agency, et cetera, to be able to help you um, handle those boom cycles and be able to ensure at the same time that like during, the bus, like you're not um, having to lay off internal folks. Um, So it's flexible and so forth. So like, this is a kind of situation, a structure that I see TA organizations present like moving towards. Um, But in general, like in order to effectively do that and effectively set up your team for success, um, you have to have advanced capacity modeling to know what your team can handle now and in the future and figure out um, if you were to make adjustments, what would be the impact on your outcomes? Um, and so forth.
1: So do you think one of the issues that um, companies have had and why they've been in the positions where they've um, had this volatility, you know, they've, they've been behind, they've needed to overcorrect in terms of going out to the market and hiring a lot of internal talent folks or using a bunch of suppliers, um, and then they got ahead of their skis and had to pull that back and make reductions in workforce, do you fundamentally see that as an issue of your poor visibility and planning? Yes,
0: 100%. Of of course, you know, there's external factors, like, I mean, in the area of the business, like other areas of the business uh, where potentially there could be better, you know, planning in those areas that then ties back to the number of hires that you need for certain areas of the business, et cetera. Um, but yeah, for town acquisition, the headcount plans, et cetera, that you get from the business, um, uh, being able to better plan uh for any of these sorts of situations you can really prevent a lot of these the negative impacts and be able to be better set up for success when you get back to those booms i mean there's such a huge opportunity and now that we have more and more data and more advanced ai etc out there for more advanced capacity modeling that this is something that leaders really can tap into on the town acquisition end to make sure um that they're right, you know, right size, right staffed, uh, and that each of the individual recruiters are best set up for success as well, um, uh, like they're not being burned out, you don't, yeah, uh, etc. cetera, um, on top of just having the organization set up structurally, planned out structurally, intelligently, in order to achieve your objectives.
1: So let's say I'm a you know, TA leader that's just gone through this this period of time, and I'm looking to increase the effectiveness of... Of capacity planning in my organization. Um, Talk me through, you know, step by step, what I should do uh, from a place of, Jim, you know, ground zero.
0: Yeah. So to start off, I mean, fundamentally, uh, capacity planning, it's really the analysis and you know the planning of uh, the current uh, demand. I mean, the current and future demand in supply for whatever area of the business um, and making sure, of course, like you're planning to make sure that you have the right workforce at the right time in order to meet the meet the demand. Uh, so when we get to, and before I dive into like how you start from ground zero to build up or like work with where you're at now, um, to describe further what like I see as what advanced capacity planning is, like characteristics of that, I would say there's three main characteristics, which are that it's personalized, continuous, and adaptable. So with the personalized end of things, it's, it's very important that instead of looking at just at the aggregate number of headcounts uh, that I have, like FTEs, et cetera, um, and these generally handle these folks generally handle this number of hires or this level of rec load, et cetera, that you start at the end of, like very personalized individual level for each recruiter, sourcer, et cetera, so that you're able to then better assess and understand what they can handle now in the future, accounting for the variety of work that they're working on whether they're requisitions or uh, evergreens, multi-position, uh, they have varying level of difficulty, et cetera. Um, and then really coming up with like kind of these optimal rec loads that account for as well with like projects, et cetera, that are tied back to outcomes. But you have to start at the personal, like uh, individual level, and then you can always aggregate up. But, you know, like recruiters, you know, so, I mean, of course, there's there's cyclic behavior uh, just in general with like areas of the business. Um, and so sometimes they're, you know, at, 50% capacity, sometimes that are 150% capacity. We have to be able to model that out so you truly understand the capability of your workforce uh when you aggregate. And then continuous is of course you being able to continuously measure the capacity now and in the future of my of the individuals um and then aggregating up and then adaptable, that it's able to the the capacity planning is able to handle different sorts of work structures, different types of requisitions, different types of uh, recruiters, um, and be able to handle different scenarios that you throw at it, like this uh, we were talking about with the boom and bust cycle, being able to simulate, say that we are going to, uh, we have to cut back in certain areas of the business, uh, that the framework is flexible enough to allow you to simulate the impacts of something like that and simulate the impact uh, on the capacity and the outcomes of your workforce. So... Then from there, um, so again, it's personalized, continuous, and adaptable. So, how do we really start from ground zero? Um, Fundamentally, it's demand and supply. Like, no matter where you're looking, demand and supply, we have to measure this now and in the future. Uh, So, one thing here is I just want to note on the demand end. So, you know, the demand for us, I mean, for, uh, you know, town acquisition organizations generally, it's mostly you know, uh, like hires. You're making hires in different areas of the business. You have to hit a level, a goal. Um, of course, tying in time to fill, conversions, etc. As drivers behind that. And one thing here, I've seen a lot of. Uh, I've seen a lot of leaders out there using uh, projecting demand based off of the number of hires. Uh, but really, you have to you have to do it based off of what I recommend is really basing it off of. Or what's the work that these uh, your recruiters are working on at that moment in time, and really that's the rack load or project load, et cetera. But it's what they're actually working on. The number of hires per month as part of the capacity plan. That number of hires is an outcome. It's not what they're working on at that moment in time. So that's one thing. So we have to be able to project the rack, um, the total number of racks. You know, of course, areas of the business. However, you want to split it up. Um, you know, you can use historical data, do projections based off of that. Uh, leverage headcount differencing. Um, and I recommend as part of that, make sure that you account for not only attrition rate, but as well internal mobility rate, um, because that gives you better understanding of what the headcount difference will be and tie that back to then recload, load. And uh, in addition, accounting for seasonality there. Um, and then secondly, obviously on the supply end. So of course, we got to understand what our current workforce is, uh, recruiters, sourcers, coordinators, executive recruiters, et cetera. Um, and then really, once again, getting down to the personalized level, uh, getting, estimating what that, what's this capacity level for each one of them? Like what determines when they get over capacity and then, you know, impact, they get burnout and it impacts their ability to, you know, drive hires. Uh, so you have to, I mean, there's some advanced ways I can work up to and talk to how to actually do that. But of course, you know, using historical data and based off of your intuition coming up with that expected like rec load and maybe percent of time is allocated elsewhere by individual. Um, uh, you can come up with this capacity level. And then when you have the supply and demand, uh, in addition to this capacity level, then you can estimate by individual what's their capacity now. So it's number of number of recs that they're working on right now. And then based off of our projections, how many wrecks we expect each of them to be handling in the future. And then you can see essentially uh, which recruiters you expect to be over and under capacity. Uh, you can, you know, of course, understand, I mean, which helps you, yeah, you know, plan out your workforce, of course. That's like fundamentally supplying the demand. Um, and simple, like if you were to start a simple case, of course, like to implement something like this using like spreadsheets, uh, you know, Excel or spreadsheets or something like that, um, you know, the trade-off being here, of course, it might not meet the needs of like that personalization, the, co- the continuous and adaptable framework. Uh, They're manual, hard to maintain. Um, And, you know, of course, the accuracy uh, could be off. It can be very complex to actually get accurate, like capacity estimates that tie back to outcomes. But with spreadsheets, you know, you can do a lot of this, like what I'm talking about, you know, of course, you have to determine the time frame that you're looking at. You have to, um, and like generally, you know, of course, you want a frequency uh, for like the demand. So it's like monthly, uh, generally recommend, could be quarterly, et cetera. And then project out um, each of your the total number of recs you expect by department. You can get more granular of that as well. You can look at historical data and do projections based off of that. Any of these others, like I talked about with headcount differencing, um, or um, if you have more insight, then of course, like hearing from certain areas of the business, there's gonna be an increase in hires, you know, accounting for that in here, incorporating that into the spreadsheet. And then on the supply end, of course, um, this. Of course, you can estimate looking at historically what the recloads loads were. Um, and if you, you want to tie this back to outcomes, of course, but it's baseline, it's kind of hard to do that with just spreadsheets. But you can look at basically what, what was uh, individual recruiters' like time to fill or higher throughput relative to the rec load each month. And then that kind of you can identify kind of optimal points and then maybe apply this to recruiters that are at the same at that same uh, level, allocated the same area of the business, but coming up with those individual rec loads. And then of course, um, like I was saying, doing the projections on how many of these recs that you uh, expect in areas of the business, um, how you expect them to be allocated. And then is this recruiter over or under capacity relative to that? And of course, over capacity impacts again, burnout and their ability to actually do hires. There's yeah, go ahead. I mean, there's more and more advanced stuff. I I'd love to talk to that, but I want to make sure. I guess
1: you can also um, have a view on performance and expected performance. I guess through the capacity planning model, Do you know, if X recruiter has X number of requisitions in March, by you know by May they may have um, filled X percentage of them. We'll be able to backfill more positions. Can you look at capacity modeling that way using your model?
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. And I mean, at Church we do do this for you like automatically using AI and everything else. But um, uh, but just in general, this is how I definitely do recommend like for capacity modeling, especially advanced. I mean, when you're doing advanced capacity modeling is being able to tie back to uh, the expected productivity or the performance expectation um, or tying back that to the workload because of course we know people are over capacity uh they're not going to be able to perform to expectations and they could get burnout and leave of course um and then under capacity i mean that's an opportunity you could allocate that elsewhere like for development etc um but as well like uh this is like that's freed up capacity that you can leverage elsewhere so by you can exactly i mean what we do at Tricks, but what you can do is as we we're saying um you tie back that that capacity level the optimal rec load in a sense uh to uh the expected outcome which would be in our case like time to fill or um like number of hires or quality of hire you can even analyze against that even though it's very um and then you can see essentially when we're over capacity in certain areas then you can estimate uh what the time to fill will be for this individual that month and then aggregate up from there so you can really get to a point where you can tie that capacity capacity plan, et cetera, to what the outcomes will be, as you're saying, um, and make sure that your team's set up so that you're able to meet the needs of the business in that area. There's a lot more in general that everyone knows, you know, not all recs are made equal. Uh, yeah. and that's a big thing. The different types of recruiters, of course, full life cycle, sourcers, coordinators, um, uh, executive recruiters. Um, you know, and, you know, the types of wrecks. It can get very complex, and that's why some people get, like, I, which I can understand, kind of get scared off from something like this. But it's by by modeling this out and making sure you count for all the types of works, et cetera, you can really tie it back to those outcomes make sure that your team's set up for success. And so stuff that we do, and you can, you know, individual, like, uh, leaders with analysts can do is really analyze, um, you know, the level... What we do actually is like we have an adjusted rec number, uh, which accounts for the difficulty of recs, like the area of the business, the type of job. Um, we incorporate labor market data as well to understand the level of competitiveness uh, with this rec, and then we weight each rec. Like so, yeah, like a director of data science in R and D uh, very in Silicon Valley might be weighted at like three recs. It feels like three recs, recs versus like an intern. Uh, Rack in some area of the business might be weighted around 0.5 accounting for this so this is something to I recommend incorporating into this and you can do this like just the area of the business that you're looking at um, uh, just like historically the average like figure out the weighting for them the average and you can do projections based off of that then it counts for the difficulty Um, and I mean much more but yeah.
1: Uh, That's awesome yeah I know that one of the challenges that recruiting leaders typically have with setting goals for their teams and you know having um targets and, and KPIs is the variance in roles uh, like you're saying and I've seen companies try to approach this in numerous different ways I've seen the scoring system where like you said I think I actually think the most successful system that I've seen is a scoring system like a weighted scoring system like you said where each recruiter gets assigned a total number um As their target for the quarter so let's say they need to achieve a um 20 um and that can be made up of one executive hire a couple of more junior hires and that takes into account the difficulty level um of each piece of work that they're doing Um, rather than just blanketing every role is the same which i definitely see happen a lot in um in organizations And, and and actually most organizations do go a layer down than that they say maybe Engineering, they maybe say GNA. They say go to market, but again, there's variants within those. Exactly um, the levels, you know, the yeah, levels, locations. You know, yes, yeah, um, exactly. so many, all factors. kinds of things. So um, I really like that approach. I, I do think that's the future of where like capacity modeling and also also like performance planning for your team is going to go. in In regards to how you know the, what a leader needs to to set this kind of thing up you know, do they have to go out and start purchasing expensive platforms? Does it really easily um, kind of fit in with their ATS system that they're using? Do they have to build like a a data warehouse? Like what, from a technical standpoint or a platform standpoint, do, do people have to do to build a model like this?
0: Yeah, great question. So of course, it comes back to the level of how close you're able to get to with, I mean, what you're looking for when it comes to how personalized, how adaptive, um, and uh, how continuous you want want these models to be. You know, you can start with spreadsheets and I've seen a lot of this. Um, You, whether it's a leader themselves, a leader's time is very valuable too. So it's like, of course we don't want the, you know, generally um, uh, like don't want their time necessarily allocated to do like a bunch of analysis. Um, so if you have an analyst, I mean, they can enable you, enable you with this. Uh, in order to get to the point where it's like something that in, they might work in spreadsheets. Um, uh, they can pull the data from the ATS. Uh, none of the real ATSs out there really do like robust capacity planning for you that I've been exposed to. So you have to do additional level of um, analysis on top of that, and um, you know you can build internal dashboards, uh, but then. At that point, there might be you might need in, in order to really do robust analysis of like the weighting of recs, um, uh, being able to do scenario planning, um, et cetera, You actually have to build out kind of like an internal data science and engineering team in order to build these out. Like it's not, especially if you're trying to incorporate AI to make this really accurate and accounting for like labor market dig- conditions as part of this, it it can get very costly. Um, you can start, always start from somewhere, of course, like do the best that you can, you know. Um, uh, but, you know, there are, that's the reason, I mean, in part, why we created tricks is that we're able to provide uh, very advanced capacity planning, resource management in general uh, for like town acquisition, et cetera. So, um, you know, going externally is is definitely an option um, in something when you do want to get to very advanced capacity modeling. That might be the way to go or build out an internal team that builds tools
1: and And do you see a trend in terms of the types of companies, the size of companies that typically look to implement something like this? Is it more like later stage like scale-ups and enterprises? Do you see kind of early talent teams looking to build this muscle? like what have you witnessed?
0: So actually both. Uh, I've definitely seen definitely been exposed to uh, like you know startups um, that might start to get, I know, series A, B, et cetera, or uh, where they have a couple hundred folks and then they're really trying to plan out once they maybe get another injection of capital from venture capital firms, like where they need to allocate their resources in order to make sure that they're able to hit their targets for the next round. Um, I've definitely got exposed to that. You, you know, more spreadsheets can, I think, can enable at like that series B if you're focused, if we're just talking about um, uh, like town acquisition, just the size, et cetera. Um, but of course where I think a lot of the value comes from something like this is um, being able to of course like at scale so later stage enterprise mid-market uh, recruiting teams once it gets becomes too complex for you to as a leader to be able to make sure you're on, on, on top of everything that's going on and uh, so I 10 15 or more recruiters maybe on the team it starts to get complex and that's where the tool like you know leveraging capacity planning i think really can bring uh even more value than say like the smaller like you know uh, earlier stage companies
1: and you know a lot of the leaders that i'm speaking to at the moment are thinking about how to build their team from a internal standpoint, so an FTE headcount perspective, and the mix that they're going to split between FTE and, you know, vendors, so it could be all, all flexible support, so contractors, you know, recruitment agencies, RPOs, you know, all these different kinds of, of levels of support. Um, does this tool allow you to build a model that factors in or allows you to understand what option would be the best and how would that work?
0: Yes, yes, and exactly as you're saying, like, there's these options... And, of course, with anything, there's trade-offs between them. Um, as, in, as you know, wh- whether it comes uh, speed um, versus cost, whether it comes to having your you know workforce set up so that it's able to handle any cyclic behavior uh, that we see with boom and bust cycles, et cetera. Um, yes, capacity planning tools 100% enable this um, and really allow you to simulate what are the different like each of these different scenarios um and simulate what the outcomes will be what we expect our time to fill to be what we expect our number of hires to be quality of et cetera tied back to the capacity um and for each of the scenarios with the fully fte uh workforce or like augmented as you're saying um and Uh, Accounting for ramp up periods, et cetera. And then be able to, like, obviously, with each of these, as you're saying, as we're talking to, like, there's a cost associated with them. And so you can compare essentially, you know, the cost and uh, against um, like these different frameworks and the outcomes from those frameworks um, to make like informed decisions. We have definitely seen, like I said, or mentioned earlier, actually, I guess right off the bat, was um, there seems to be a trend where having a more You know, have kind of that baseline FTE, um, uh, like internal recruiting team. Then that's augmented then with uh, flexible external workforce uh, that comes in when you need it, and then that helps prevent these layoffs. Helps you be able to flex quickly to any of the work and um, any of the work that uh, comes up. Um, And you know, that can even help as well if there's sudden work like that you weren't expecting um, uh, that. Uh, that your internal recruiters don't get burned out, you know, and leave your company. So uh, there's definitely a trend, and these tools help with that. Um, you can model all of this out, any of these scenarios, and understand the trade offs.
1: So when you say simulation, do you actually mean like, let's say I had this this product I was using you know, Taltrix, and um, I wanted to see, okay, the, in H two this year, I need to hire 100 people in my organization. You know, half of those are in San Francisco, half of them are in London in the UK. Um, I input the recruitment team based on, you know, the, the prior historical data that I have from, from my ATS, um, and I can run that scenario to see if that level of hires is achievable with the resource that I have, and if not, what the delta is. Are you t- is that the kind of scenario? And if not, can you talk me through, like, what you mean by simulation?
0: that's exactly what I'm talking about with simulation and that's exactly what we do and uh, enable leaders with, um, any of these scenarios that you come up with, we actually use AI all throughout our products. Like we're using machine learning, et cetera, for these, like each of these scenarios to better predict what we expect the outcomes to be tied back to capacity account accounting for, um, any sort of like factors that are out there, like historically what recloads were versus, um, uh, the outcomes, what were the labor market conditions, et cetera. Um, but like we use this advanced AI then to enable leaders to be able to simulate each of these scenarios. And then you can see exactly the trade-offs between them.
1: That's awesome. I, I can imagine that's a, as a talent leader, that's an incredibly strong piece of information to take to your manager to get additional budget or to get um, the resources you need to be successful. If you can go with a, a really accurate um, and predictive model. Um, so that's that's awesome. Um, so, we're getting close to time, and I always ask um, my guests one question. And it'd be interesting to hear from you, uh, given you know, the area that you work in, um, what's going on with AI at the moment. But what excites you the most about the future of talent acquisition?
0: Of course, it is. I mean, for me, you know, being out in Silicon Valley, uh, as you're saying, it's it's it is really AI. I think it's important for folks. I to not be afraid of AI um, and what it's what's bringing. Really, all that AI does, um, and you know, this is a very broad term, but all it really doing is doing is it's enabling you to get to that answer faster and smarter. Think of Amazon, think of uh, uh, Pandora or Spotify. They um, they're doing all they're using AI to analyze uh, what's what's the right product for you, what's the right song for you. Uh, before you even knew potentially, or you didn't even know this was a song that you uh, that you uh, would like, you know they're getting to that answer faster and smarter um, uh, using AI. And think of that as a similar way. The opportunities within talent acquisition, I mean, they're so vast. Of course, like for us, I'm very excited about resource management. Uh, you know, making sure that uh, the leaders are best set up for success for the future. I think there's so much opportunity with enabling leaders to make informed decisions and having essentially, you know, AI enable you to get to that answer faster and making sure that you're able to meet the needs of the business. There's so much opportunity here and incorporating some of that, the Gen AI chatbot, et cetera, like something like this to be able to, you know, kind of a personalized analyst. We do have something like this, but having a personalized analyst that you can ask any questions or help guide you through these scenario plannings or help You identify, you know, recruiters that might need more support, et cetera. Um, I think there's so much opportunity here to enable leaders and of course, enable individual recruiters through that and through all the other opportunities, enabling individual recruiters uh, when it comes to sourcing, candidate uh, candidate throughput, et cetera. Um, So AI really excites me, of course. And I think there's so much potential and don't be scared of it. I think it's something, it's an enabler. Awesome. Well. Very exciting stuff, Alex. Uh,
1: before we go, where can people find you? How can they find out more about Tricks? Yeah,
0: uh, thanks, Chris. So, you uh, feel free to reach out to me, Alex at TaoTricks.com, T A L T R I C S. It's Tricks. You can go to our website as well, tauchurch.com, or it's uh, LinkedIn, um, the backslash in, backslash Alex, number one,
1: Marshall. Awesome, well thanks Alex. That's another episode of Hiring All Cylinders. Like and subscribe if you want more content.